0: hey everyone this is chris allman president of sanctuary welcome back to the academy where you get the tools tips and advice you need to grow your business today on the academy i'm going to be having a wide-ranging conversation with matt bailey from SiteLogic. matt is an industry-leading marketer educator speaker author and entrepreneur we'll cover everything from how he got started to where he is today and beyond along the way We'll explore many topics related to marketing and growing your business. We'll listen to his advice about being an author and speaker and we'll dive deep into his thoughts about why training is important, what knowledge and skills are in demand these days, his advice about successfully working with an agency and much more. Sound good? Let's jump into it. Hey, Matt. Thanks for meeting today, buddy. It's good to see you. Good to see you,
1: too, Chris. It's been too long. Uh, I miss getting together with you guys and, uh, and hanging out or just talking shop. So thank you for the invitation.
0: Yeah, man. Thanks for meeting today. I appreciate it. Hopefully we'll have some good conversation today. And uh, yeah, let's dive into it, man. So today I was making breakfast and I was kind of thinking back some of the first times that we had met and got together and got to know each other. I went to your house, big, beautiful house, big, beautiful backyard, and Matt starts letting off fireworks, and man, what a fireworks show (laughs) that was, I mean, you really know how to do it, man, so, like, next time you're having people over and you're going to put on a little display, send an invite over, because... It, it was a great show, man. Those were the days. Yeah, that was so when I had the agency, that was our
1: 4th of July party. Uh, it actually started because one of our employees got in trouble for letting off fireworks. He lived in the city limits. And uh, so I told him, you know, come over to our place, you know, and he ended up bringing his brother. Uh, then the next year, some of other friends showed up, people, you know, I kind of knew, uh, and it's just one of those things that just every year just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger to the point where it's just let's invite, you know, brought you guys over, just any of our friends come on over for, for a great time. And, and it, it was one of the highlights of uh, the, those agency days is having that 4th of July party.
0: Yeah, man, it was great. Uh, we had a great time <laughs> and it, it was definitely worth the investment. I re- remember every year my, my sons just love to go and get fireworks and stuff. So we go to the fireworks store and Man, people just, they have dollies full of stuff that they're wheeling out of there. And I just, I can't imagine the cost of putting on a show like that. So thanks for putting on the show, man. We enjoyed it. You got to buy in March. Right. Yeah. Yeah, You've
1: got to buy in March. That's when the deals are. (laughs) And that's when we started. (laughs)
0: Yeah, so that's a big takeaway today. Yes. This is the big tip today.
1: Absolutely. That's when that's when the, I think it's like buy one, get four free. They, they start that in March and then everything closer to 4th of July just gets more expensive. <laughs> <laughs> right.
0: All right, man. So let's get started. I want to dig deep into your background. Let's talk a little bit initially about your education, where you got started, uh, your work experience. Let's just start from the beginning wow. and uh, let's let's go from there.
1: Well, I got started before the modern internet was <laughs> around, and, and it's like every year, is, and like, I, I, I hesitate to say you know how many years ago that was, uh, but I had graduated with a journalism degree, and right away what that taught me is I, as I did some internships and, and had a few jobs, uh, sports reporting was one of my first jobs out of college, and I learned very quickly I don't want to be in journalism. Uh, I enjoyed the writing aspect. I (laughs) enjoyed a lot of it, but I didn't enjoy staying up late writing articles and getting them turned in at like three in the morning so that they could be printed the next day. Um, So I I ended up going, I, I enjoyed sales and I enjoy working with people. So I went into real estate and it didn't take long before I was doing commercial properties. I was doing properties like not normal homes that didn't sell the normal way, and I needed a larger audience. And so around uh, 96, I started building websites. And in 1997, I was asking questions such as, what am I doing with these websites that's actually making me money? Uh, and that got me started on not just the website development, but the analytics of it, the usability, uh, the accessibility, and also the, you know basic CRM tracking on a spreadsheet uh the leads that came through and the appointments and follow-ups and uh you know really just getting into the whole level of of you know B2B lead generation. Uh I ended up uh probably about uh you know a couple years after that going to work for a software company because I wanted to learn some more of the back end of what went on with that and uh you know really intimately learning some database uh things but then you know where right back into the agency world. Um, and from there, after about, I think five years of, five, six years of working with agencies, I'm like, I need to do this myself. And so started Site SiteLogic uh, initially just as a, a digital marketing. We didn't do any development, it was just pure marketing. Uh, and then about 10 years after the startup is when, you know, you guys came along and I was more than happy to, to split off the, the services, uh, which you guys have done phenomenally well with. Um, dear listener, the sanctuary took over all the, I, I like to say I sold off my employees and my clients and uh, you guys did a great job with both. Um, and and that, since then, I've been doing training full time. Uh, so I've been doing training with the, uh, the Dark Marketing Association, which is now the Association of National Advertisers, uh, with Microsoft, with Orange Telecom, uh, literally all over the world uh, doing training for brands and large companies and, and training you know anywhere from 10 to 100 marketing personnel within a company. Uh, and, and it's just been an absolute blast to do that. So that that's the, I, I I won't say the quick version, but that was like a two minute version.
0: <laughs> no, no, that's great, man. Um, actually, I want to take one little quick step back, and I think we're speaking to a lot of potential people out there that are starting a business or starting to run a semi-successful business, but yeah. they need help and advice. So let's explore a little bit about the struggles, the challenges, mm-hmm. the um maybe the exciting things of starting and running your own business, how you got it up and running. um, And uh, then we can explore a little bit more of what you're doing today and um, just see where things go. But let's start a little bit more back at the beginning and uh, let's give everybody some advice about getting things started.
1: Um, You know, I'll go back even further because the, the, even in the real estate, um, I couldn't just separate myself from that very quickly. I I had to have someone, you know, when I I I got an offer to go work at the, a software company and it was like, "Well, what do I do with this real estate business? I've got a great website. It's generating a lot of leads." And I ended up selling that to another agent. The problem is, I don't think they really understood the value of what they were getting, um, of maintaining these property listings on a website rather than, you know, the central real estate thing and you know, the whole reason they bought it was I, t- I was telling them I'm getting leads from all over the world for these properties. Uh, and you just got to follow up on them. They're there. It's wonderful. And, and they didn't really do much with it. And so it was kind of frustrating to see that even though I had sold it off, it was frustrating to see that not continue to grow and prosper. And, and cause that was, you know, I built that it, it, it was, it, and it was, uh, instrumental in my career especially moving forward um moving from selling off the agency to going independent it really wasn't it was boy i'll go back to the frustrations of starting the agency after being in the agency world and then starting my own i love to tell people i made every mistake that you can make i overpaid for an phone system i overpaid for office space i overpaid for office furniture i just i could go down the list of everything and i I wish I had known uh some of those things or at least had someone nearby that I could you know talk to about some of this or you know just some of those resources and and it kills me you know I overpaid for this this phone system and and like five years later everyone's got mobile phones and it would have been cheaper just to buy mobile phones than to do that but you know it's it, that's part of the the growing pains i think is is not so much. You know what to do. You know how. You know what your business needs. It's a lot of that external stuff of services, of space, of uh, th- those expenses that you just have no idea. Uh, and, and that I think is some of the things that really can kill someone, or, or at least kill your motivation uh, when you run up against a lot of these things. Um, that that was number one. Number two is just the biggest thing that I encountered was the realization that there's a difference between doing what you love and managing what you love. And at the beginning, when I started my agency, I was doing it. But the more people I hired, I did less of the actual work. I did more on the sales side. But now I was managing. I was managing a team that was doing it. And that's a, that's a very different thing and it requires a different skill set. It requires a different approach, and it requires training and management. And, and if you're not prepared for that, it's almost like a midlife crisis. And that's that's kind of what I went through. Is that? But I enjoy actually doing it, and so sometimes it's it's hard to let go of that. And and so I actually I struggled more with building the agency than than translating that into the training business. Because while I had the agency, I was still doing some training and I was getting invitations. So it was one of those where I had to choose, uh, you know, really where to focus and put my time.
0: Yeah, that's really good advice. I'll, I'll add a little bit there from my experience. I remember a great story that my accountant told. And he said he has these two clients. I'm not sure if he still has them or not, but it's still a great story. He had these two repair shops as clients. And the one guy just loved doing the work. He's in there every day. He's got his wrenches. He's just working on cars. He's got one bay and he's happy. He's doing the work, um, but he's not in the business, you know, working on the business, managing the people, working on ways to expand and grow. And he had the contrast of this other client who had a completely different. Approach to it, and he didn't work on cars at all. He just worked on growing the business, managing the people, and expanding. And um, I think he said he had like ten bays in his in his shop, and it's a multi million dollar business. And just that fact that he was able to let go of that work and focus on managing the people and growing the business and expanding, um you know, absolutely. Allowing to be much more successful.
1: Yeah. Well, and, 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 part of that is finding the right people, the right team. Um, you, you know, and, and that's, that's part of the joy of the hiring and the employee process is you, you know, you get some people that are just superstars. Um, and, and then you get others that break your heart. It, you know, it, it's just, it's, it's, it's difficult. And, and I mean, you guys have the rewards of Julie. I, if I had to hire Julie two years prior, I may still have the agency. Um, she, <laughs> but, but you now, she's with you guys. And I, you know, she's amazing. She, I mean, she kept me in it and, and kept my head in the game because, you know, she was so good at administrating everything. Um, she was definitely my second brain. And I could not have, have done it as long as I did without her.
0: So, yeah, that's a great example. I was just, the other day internally, um, <laughs> I thanked her in Slack. You know, I think it her anniversary was yeah, eight years yeah. ago this month. And she's just been great and highly adaptable, takes care of Absolutely. a million different things. And she things. keeps the team together. She's you know, glue. I, just, I can't <laughs> say enough about people like that. But just they're, yeah. they're really the glue, man, that just holds everything together. So it's your team is extremely important. So just to wrap things up here a little bit on that topic, are there any other little cringy things, little stories, some fun things, some, some funny things that you, uh, you want to tell with starting oh, a company? Wow. Just have fun with it.
1: <laughs> that's a wide open question. Wow. Wow. I mean, that's a thing though. That, I mean, when you've got your own business, it is a mix. It's a mix of funny. It's a mix of serious. It's a mix of cringe um you know anyone who deals with the public you know clients you're you're gonna have great stories bad stories um you know being able to take uh you know with with the wisdom of a few years removed um I, I now ask people when I'm when I'm working with um, business owners when I'm when I'm working with people one of the questions that I ask them is name name your two best clients. Uh, and, and they'll name them. And, and then I say, okay, now define best. How are you, how are these your best clients? And, and what are you using to describe best? What, when I say best, what are you thinking? And, and it's interesting because most people that I'm talking to, when they describe their best clients, they are the easiest to work with, the most fun to work with, the longest clients that I've had. The, and what they describe is relationship. Now It's not all, it's pro, but it's probably about eight out of 10 are describing the client they have the best relationship with, not the client that spends the most money. And it's interesting because now when I'm, when I'm teaching people how to build a business, it's okay. Now, what kind of client, if you're going to duplicate any type of client, which client would it be? And it was be these ones that I enjoy working with. And so now that brings us into issues of, well, what are we doing to grow them? What are we doing to, because also, it, you know, you talk to any business, if you're getting referrals, chances are it's from that client. And those referrals more often than not become great clients as well. And so it becomes a matter of really, and that's what I walk them through is how do we measure this? How do we measure the value of your best clients? Because we tend to get distracted by those that spend the most, those that you know bring the most, but they're not always the most profitable. Chances are your best client is the one you have the best relationship with, and they are also maybe not the most profitable, but they are profitable, and they bring the most referrals of profitable clients. Uh, so that would be my you know now that I've been removed for a little bit, that's some of my observations of of running the business and, and dealing with clients.
0: Yeah, man. I mean, relationships are just critical. I mean, I just, <laughs> that's such great advice. It's just, I think it's so easy to focus on new leads and sales to, to grow your business and stuff. but you, A lot of people just, they don't spend the time and effort and even money that it costs to build a good mm-hmm. relationship with your existing customers. I know when we talk about, you know, our ideal client. um, We talk a lot about partnership. We really want to be like considered partners and not just service providers. We want to have that relationship where we almost feel like friends, you know, and we're not just a service provider. And I think once you have that strong relationship, um, you know, your your customers aren't going to leave for the, the cheapest price or the next big thing that, you know, somebody's talking in their ear because they feel like, you know, they have a a good partnership and a good relationship. People will stay with you over the long term If you have a good relationship and true partnership, it's just really great advice for people at the base level who are looking to run and build a successful business because just having that, those relationships um, and strengthening those relationships is critical.
1: It is. And, and, you know, and, and that's the result of a lot of battle scars. I think, you know, you and I, we know we've shared a lot, you know, about that, but part of that is, you know, when you're, when you're owning that business, there is a fear. And the fear is, unless I land this client, you know, we need the revenue. And the problem is we're so focused on, I need that revenue that we're not. And I, every time that I went against my gut and took a client because of the revenue, six months later, it's damaging the profitability, and so we're sacrificing future profit for immediate revenue, which is never a good idea. And so, you know, if I were to go back and do it again, I would have a lower threshold of patience when uh, when selling to an, a prospect, uh, but also even even having a new client. Um, I think I'd be more willing to say, okay, after our three month, you know, trial working together, I I think we're ready to move on, you know, best of luck to you. Um, you know, I, I, I would, I would have a lot more red flags, a lot less patience and, and, and more, more willingness to move on and let's find someone else where we're, we're going to work together better.
0: Yeah, that's great advice. So let's move on. I, I think of you as an author. And I'm not sure how important that is to you at this point. um, But I believe you've authored at least four books that I'm aware of. And, um, you know, I just, I know that writing can be difficult. Just writing a simple blog post can be difficult, let alone entire books. So, um, Uh, I thought it might be interesting to explore your experience there, your thoughts, um, why you did it, um, the challenges of doing it. And, um, you know, the benefits that you see from actually being an author and publishing and um, how that could help people grow their business and market their business and spread the word. So let me know your thoughts there. Wow.
1: Uh, I, I will say this after every book, I say I'm never going to do that again. <laughs> um, that is one of the joys of, of writing Uh, The first book was the biggest book that I worked on, and so it was um, uh, digital or online marketing an hour a day, and it was an overview of the entire digital marketing industry. That was published in 2011. Um, It took me a year to write it, to go through the editing process, to go through... uh, you know, how are we going to title it, all that. And it was working with a publisher. It was working with Wiley. Um, and so it was nice that I had an editor, I had a technical editor, I had a um, copy editor. And so basically every weekend, I'm writing a chapter or editing a chapter. Uh, it was very time consuming. Uh, I, I like to say it was it, it was a weekend for a year. Uh, it was set aside doing that. Uh, and so that was the one where I was like, I'm never doing this again. Uh, now I, I made some money from that. I, I won't say it made me rich. Uh, it wasn't nothing, but, um, you know, probably enough for, to help with a vacation, (laughs) you know, that was, but it wasn't, you know, I I think sometimes people think you're going to write a book and you're going to get, you know, tens of thousands of dollars. And, you know, you, that doesn't happen unless you are a, an A-lister. And you get that money upfront, um, and and then you know any promises that anyone makes to you about marketing your book are lies. Uh, there, <laughs> nobody. I I I've, I've, I think three times now I've paid a company because I'm like I could do this, I don't want to do it. Um, nothing ever happens. So you could pay people to market a book; they all do the same thing, and it never works. Um, the second and third book were actually started out as one book, um, and then the direction that i went it made more sense to split it and make it two books and so uh i self published those two but i worked with a company on the first one uh and and they managed a lot of the self publication the artwork and and things like that but what was difficult about that is is they did not provide editors i had to do my own editing or uh pay someone to edit and so it was a lot more expense on that side um and I, I would say, you know, I, there's things I would have done differently in the marketing. Um, the last one is, I uh, actually worked with Wiley again, uh, but this time we're doing the, uh, it is the Comprehensive Guide to Digital Marketing. Uh, and the, the great thing is, is I've done this with six other authors. Uh, it will be out uh, early next year. And uh, so it is part of the uh, OMCA certification, Online Marketing Certified Associate. Uh, so I only did two and a half chapters and, <laughs> and, and worked with other authors. Uh, and that was a much better experience uh, to only do a partial amount and get a little bit up front uh, to deal that with. So that's, that's been my writing experience.
0: <laughs> so you do say that you're not going to do it. Ever again each time, but you keep doing it. And I keep saying so. That. What benefits do you <laughs> see from publishing like that?
1: Yeah, it's uh, it, it, first, it's a bit of credibility. Um, after that first book came out, then I could say it was an author. Um, you know, it hit number one on Amazon for like 72 hours, you know, <laughs> so I could say it was on number one. Uh, and, and that's really kind of the, 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 you know, that's what happens is in technology, it gets to number one. Uh, because you got some sales going uh, and it lasts a couple days or a couple weeks. Um, and so you get that thrill. That's like immediate gratification. Uh, but there is the, the matter of it definitely adds to your credibility because anyone can blog and there's a lot of information out there. But to get a book published, especially with a major publisher, there was a lot of work that went into it. Uh, most things I had to cite. My information any statistics. Uh, I had to source a lot of things. So, yeah, you know, writing a blog post is really—you just put your opinion out there, or you put some news or something like that. Writing a book is a completely different matter uh, because you actually, you know, you've got to do your homework for it. And so, it—I it, think that's why it's such a credibility builder—is because of the work you put in to make that happen. Um, and there, there has been a difference in reception, you know, based on self-published or, or with a publisher. Um, and, and I do enjoy the self-publishing aspect of it. Um, some of the, I I will say that it's, you got to watch who you work with. Some are better than others. Uh, if you're working with a company to help with that. Uh, but ultimately, you know, it it was kind of rewarding and it is rewarding to see them on the shelf, uh, to once in a while, I, I think I got a royalty check for, uh, I think it was like $1.70, uh, <laughs> you know, that was, my, that was my quarterly earnings from Amazon, <laughs> I think last, last quarter. So, you know, that pops up every once in a while, so it, it's fun.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I mean, we could probably sit here and do an entire episode around being an author and writing and, and all that good stuff. Um, but I wanted to move on to the next thing. I consider you a speaker a very experienced speaker, and I thought we could kind of explore that a little bit. Um, same kind of things. What benefits do you see? What challenges? Um, I just want to explore your thoughts.
1: Speaking to me is is probably one of the most fun things. Um, it's interesting because for some people, I think uh, public speaking, I, I think every year they do a, th- a list of the biggest fears people have, and I think public speaking is at the top of the list uh, even higher than being buried alive or snakes. So, uh, which it, it, it it amazes me. I don't like snakes, but I do enjoy public speaking. And I, and, and maybe that comes from being, I'm very comfortable with sales. So I've always been comfortable with talking with people being in front of people. Um, and then I just found very early, I had a great knack for being able to communicate and simplify and especially when it comes to internet, digital marketing, and and things like that, that ability to simplify very complex information or complex data down into an actionable, practical content or or message, I, I've just always been very good at that. Uh, sometimes I feel like I'm not saying anything better than you know I'm not saying anything new or. Anything like that. I'm just saying it in a way that people understand and respond to. Um, and so, and, and now I will say part of that I feel has always been natural. The other part of it is it's things that I've had to work on and develop. Uh, I have done additional training on speaking, storytelling, stand up comedy, uh, you know, anything that can give me assistance in communicating more effectively. I've done a lot of that type of training in order to be a more effective speaker. I also then, um, a couple years ago, went back and got a master's degree in education. Because I was doing so much training, I wanted to be better. So, you know, I took my own medicine uh, because I'm teaching and went back to learn how to teach better. Uh, And so that was Incredible. It was a great experience learning a lot of the theory behind education and learning, and being able to then employ that into how I develop training, how I change my training uh, agenda, how I work with uh, my attendees or students, depending upon that. And and really, just the bottom line is it turns into coaching rather than lecturing. And that I think is a much more effective approach so that i just enjoy it and uh the the evolution of it has just been phenomenal uh to to have this you know in my background and then just to still be you know riding the riding the wave of this
0: that's awesome let's uh use that as a little transition to talk a little bit more about what you're doing now the company's still called SiteLogic. logic just tell me a little bit more about what you're doing now and uh, where you're going in the future.
1: All right. So I train individuals and businesses on how to do digital marketing better. Uh, the, the core message is turning data into action. Uh, just through my own personal experience, but also from industry studies, analytics is probably the number one skills gap in digital marketing. And so a couple of ways that I work with this, number one is I've set up an online learning academy or online learning school at, at learn.sitelogic.com. And right now, uh, the, the course that, the primary course that I've got there is a certification course. Uh, so it, you take all of this content, then you can sit for a digital marketing certification, uh, which will immediately enhance your 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 job prospects or anything like that. Uh, I'm currently I I am two parts are published of my analytics course. The third part will be published very soon, uh, and that focuses on number one, setting an analytics strategy or under applying analytics to your business strategy. The second part is how do you do analytics? How do you look at data tables and how do you derive how do you derive insight? from all the data. And so, the, and then the third part is then, how do you communicate? And that's where I think a lot of marketers struggle is, how do I turn this data into a recommendation? How do I communicate that recommendation? And how do I do it in a way that, that motivates, persuades uh, the manager or the stakeholder or, or someone to agree and sign off on this action? So that's the analytics portion. Uh, I'm next going to be uh, launching a business builder course. I found out that, you know, business owners, they they don't want a certification course. They want a they want a course that shows them how to build their business. And so that's you know, it's going to be stripped down, focused on here's what you can do, almost like a self-starter, but the reason for that is I have found that business owners who are familiar with the terminology, familiar with the the roadmap of digital marketing actually become better clients because they understand what they're buying, what what place it plays in the marketing mix, and then how to evaluate the results. Uh, so it, it's going to be both, you can build your business from this or educate yourself as to what needs to be done and how you can prioritize it and measure it to know you're getting your money's worth. So that's the online learning part. Uh, learn.sitelogic.com. The other side is the uh, in-house training. Uh, I'll go to teams of usually 10 or more uh, within a business, and we're doing training in digital marketing, digital communications, uh, both public and private, doing more and more work uh, for some government entities, which that has led me to doing a lot of work uh, in the Middle East right now, mainly in the United Arab Emirates and doing a lot of training for government employees on communication, digital communication, uh, use of social media for public uh, awareness. Uh, and that has just been an absolutely amazing experience uh, to be able to take this internationally and and you know see these principles applied and, and how they change people. They change people's lives. Uh, it gives them a new set of skills that they can use. Uh, The best thing is when people get back to me and they tell me, you know, I took your course, I got a raise. I took your course, I started my own company. I took your course and now I, you know, now I'm director or now I'm VP. Uh, That is just, that's the best part of training and speaking is, is hearing those success stories.
0: Yeah, man, that's, it's really exciting. I mean, just to have those tangible benefits of where you can, you know, impact people on the ground, um, in real life is, I mean, it just. Things like that is what really makes it all worthwhile. So that's, it's great stuff. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Let's talk a little bit more, um, about how are you getting the word out right now? How are you marketing yourself and your company? What do you, where do you see success? What tactics maybe are you using? And uh, let's let's just dig into that a little bit.
1: Great question. Um, LinkedIn is probably my primary focus. Um, I do a little bit on Instagram, but I just, no, I don't like Instagram. Um, <laughs> I think my next step is probably hiring someone to do Instagram for me. Uh, that's going to be the next step. Cause, uh, but I love working on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is probably, it, it's not probably, it is. Um, I'm getting probably, as much uh business from LinkedIn as I am from Google. Uh it's just absolutely amazing. So, and part of that is I'm doing a podcast as well. Uh I'll, I'll plug it here, the Endless Coffee Cup podcast where we caffeinate your marketing. Uh and that's where we're looking at you know everything from how marketing affects culture to I think we just I talked with uh my last interview was with Barry Schwartz uh from search engine uh He's been reporting on search engines now uh, for 23 years uh, and he's got a you know a blog and is probably one of the go-to experts as far as what's happening in search right now uh, but he's a longtime friend and and it's just been a great way to reconnect with people in the industry but also get to know others as well and and how I, what I'm fascinated the most with and 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 how it comes out in the podcast is just how this digital marketing industry, Affects everybody and how it changes us. Um, you know, I think, you know, marketing back in the past just used to be one of those things we're trying to persuade people, but now it's so pervasive. And, it, you know, especially having this, you know, this mobile device with us all the time, uh, you know, when, and, and how pervasive social media is and, and how media is everything in our lives. So I, I love looking at it from the outside and seeing what it's doing. And then once in a while we'll deep dive into some of the technical areas as well.
0: Right, I love LinkedIn, it's great, but it, it's complicated and it, it's, it's hard to master. It's, for a lot of people, it's hard to not be that guy that's just bugging people. Or, you know, it's not really cold calling, but it's cold messaging all the time. And people just posting generic links to articles and stuff like that. Um, these are just generic tactics that people ignore or, I mean, even worse yet, they're annoyed and they don't result in starting a relationship. So do you have any advice that you want to share about what's working um, without giving away the farm or, you know, your top secret tactics?
1: Yeah, there's a couple of things. Yeah, um, post a couple times a week. Um, now, there are some people I know that they post uh, two or three times a day, and and I'm like, that's not me. Uh, I'll do a couple times a week. And it seems to be a threshold that if you go more, more than three times a week, like kinda, you don't see as much engagement on, on the posts. Um, I find two or three times a week tends to be a pretty good amount. Um, but also, I look at what you're posting. If you're post constantly posting links, it t- doesn't tend to get the visibility. Uh, this is what gets to what's called zero-click content because LinkedIn, Instagram, uh, you know, Facebook, any of your major platforms, if you're posting links that take people away from the platform, it's not gonna get visibility. Uh, all those platforms make more money when people stay there. So if you're posting content that people can consume without a link to move them away, you will tend to get more visibility on those posts. Um but the same, you know, and, and that includes uh, you know, sharing other people's content and commenting on it, adding your original thought to that content, uh all very good ways of building that audience in in LinkedIn.
0: So have you explored doing advertising on LinkedIn, have you had any success there? I have
1: done some over the years. Um, but I just find, at this point, I'm, I'm mainly doing organic. Um, I'm moving into uh, using webinars, uh, and primarily using LinkedIn to drive people to webinars, and from the webinar, uh, converting into the, the online courses. Uh, that, that, that has been a, a fun ride. That's been very cool to see.
0: Cool, so let's transition and talk a little bit about training. How can training be beneficial to an organization? Why would someone wanna bring on a professional trainer like yourself?
1: Absolutely. I call this the Swiss cheese effect. Uh, if you, let's just start number one, as an employer, do you know the skills of your team? You might be having someone working in social, someone working in paid, someone working in, in content. Uh, but do you have an objective method of measuring the depth of those skills? That's the first question. Second question Do those skills overlap or are there gaps in knowledge? Uh, that's what I call the Swiss cheese effect. That if you have too many gaps in knowledge, you can layer up that Swiss cheese, but you still have some big holes. Do you know where those holes are? Do you know, can you properly identify the skills that are needed to close those gaps? Uh, so, and that's where an objective, an assessment, an objective assessment is critical to knowing if I'm going to hire someone and their specialty is paid search, how do I know the depth of their skills? How do I know the uh, what they've been able to do? And, and and is there an objective measurement for that? Yes, there is. That's why I love certification. Certification, especially the one I work with, the, the OMCA, it's a set of uh, not a set of skills, it's a set of measurable competencies. And by testing those, we can then assess that this individual has competent skills in these areas. and you can you can get a graph that says that. Then you can test your entire team and get a you know get a data report that shows here's where you're strong as a team, here's where you're weak as a team. And from there, now, we could develop a training program that's specific to your company, and, and you know we can train to those gaps, or we can do the entire uh, digital marketing spectrum just to make sure that everyone is up to speed in all those areas. So number one, it, it, it helps you gain confidence that your team knows and has the basic competencies to perform well in all of the disciplines necessary. Uh, so that, that's why training is vital. Number two, training is vital because everyone comes from a completely different background. The vast majority of people in digital marketing did not learn those skills in university. They learned them through on the job or self-taught. Uh, as a matter of fact, undergraduate right now is, you know, people can come out of undergraduate degrees with, with digital marketing, but they don't know how to do digital marketing. And that's one of the biggest frustrations I'm seeing in companies with hiring managers and, and HR is they have the degree, but not, none of the skills. Uh, and so now it, it's how do we bring those up? And so what we're seeing is employers are spent putting more into maintaining a level of knowledge, bringing everyone into a common vocabulary. And this is critical is making sure that when we talk, and, and, and I've seen this countless times in organizations, I'm just going to use an example. The word impressions, it, it, what I have found in organizations is almost everyone has a different definition of the word impressions. What does impressions or views mean? And And I'll put 10 definitions on the board, and it's amazing how the answers when people are guessing which is which it's pretty evenly distributed which tells me that there's no one single definition of an impression in that organization now that's dangerous because that's how we buy that's how we buy advertising is by the impression by the view and if i'm buying it based on uh, you know understanding well here's facebook's facebook's definition of a view Is anything that is seen for, well, anything larger than zero pixels that's seen for more than zero seconds. That's Facebook's definition. Now, if I'm the buyer and I don't know that's Facebook's definition, and I'm thinking, well, it's, I may be going by the IAB definition, which is, you know, like 20% of an ad seen for a second, you know, and that's the IAB definition, which is not Facebook's definition. That's just some third party. However, if I'm communicating to a decision maker and I talk about a view or impression, they may perceive it as a human actually saw the ad and had time to process it. Uh, But then even then, there's a... (laughs) When we talk about an impression of a 30-second commercial or an impression of an ad uh, that just happens to get scrolled by on an Instagram feed or the impression of a, a banner ad on a page, each one of those carries with it a very different, uh, <laughs> you know, impressions are not equal unto themselves. Um, so that's just one example of how, if we don't have a shared definition of just this term, then organizationally, we're not making good decisions because we're, it's being thought of or interpreted so many different ways that how can you then set up a clear ad strategy if no one knows what we're buying.
0: So that's good stuff. So we're mostly talking here about larger companies and organizations that have in-house teams. Maybe we could talk and explore a little bit more about working with outside freelancers or agencies or even a mix of internal and agency support. We could even talk a little bit about talent acquisition and retention, uh, because I know that's a big topic these days of you know just finding good help do you have any thoughts around that
1: oh absolutely um so one of my one of my more popular training courses at microsoft was teaching microsoft marketers how to work with outside agencies um and so many of our courses had both microsoft marketers and agency partners there working together and and it again it comes down to what's our shared vocabulary Are we, do we mean the same thing? But it was also how to work and be a good partner. And that's because a lot of times agencies feel like we're training our clients uh, in order to understand what we do and and how to deliver. And clients are feeling frustrated because they're like, well, who's leading this? And are we leading it? Are you leading it? So there's a lot of questions just about that relationship. But at the same time, as a client, if you don't know what you're buying, then you've got a problem. If you don't know how to read a basic report, then you don't know what you're buying and we still have a problem. If you, and and this is where I see a lot of problems with agencies relationships is, if an agency is sending you a hundred page PowerPoint as a monthly report and and there's no recommendations other than to increase your budget, You know, or there it's just charts and graphs or whatever, then you as a client need to demand more. You need to demand accountability and it needs to be accountability that you understand what was promised, what's being delivered, is this in your strategy? Does this fit your your business objective? Uh agencies need to be better at delivering reports in the client's language. Clients need to be better at setting expectations as well as managing the relationship in you're delivering what we want. Uh, so a, a lot of it is communication, but a lot of it, I find as well, is translation of, are we the agency making our reports accessible and understandable to clients? And in that way, when the client gets the report, are we asking them to do something? Do they need to take action? What kind of action? What's the expected impact if you take that action? Uh, We need to get better from an agency standpoint of making those recommendations clearly and also showing a financial impact based on what we recommend. That's the language of the business owner. That's the language of the decision maker or the client. So that, and then they know what to expect. Here's what we're going to be looking for. Here's the KPIs that are gonna show if we're on track. Uh, so, it, absolutely, there there is so much more, and, and training can help with that. It's, it's almost it is almost like marriage counseling for <laughs> agencies and clients to work together, uh, because we have to know what we're talking about, and we have to know how to better communicate uh, using each other's language.
0: Yeah, that's that's great. I think in my experience, it comes down to simple is better. I remember back in the day when I sent reports to clients. A lot of times they were just, they are full of data and charts and a, a lot of information. Um, and I think what people are trying to do with these things is to just show that they're really smart. And that they have all this really important data, you know, at their fingertips that they're using. And I mean, data is extremely important. So we can do our jobs, obviously. But, but that's not what the client really needs to show ROI. I mean i think if you can simplify it down and agree on simple measures i mean and then everyone understands what they're looking at why it's important and how you're being measured you're then communicating on the same wavelength and it it just all becomes so much simpler and easier
1: absolutely absolutely yeah i in my in my analytics training um I, I talk about where the, the reporting should not take more than four minutes. Um, you should be able to distill the status of a campaign, the status of the marketing objectives within four minutes and without relying on charts, graphs, data tables as a crutch. You should be able to distill that down into here's what's happening, here's what's expected, here's what we recommend. That's it that's what people want to know. Um, I think marketers would be seen as a lot more, uh, legitimate and helpful if they did that instead of, I I think it's a defense mechanism of some agencies to just send over the hundred page report and you know, and, and, and it keeps the client quiet because they don't know what questions to ask.
0: Yeah. It looks like they're super smart or something, you know, just, well, just send more. It, yeah. Data.
1: It, it's, yeah. Look at how busy we are is it, kind of what it's saying is, Oh, we're busy, but busy is not results. Busy is busy. It's not, uh, it, it, and that's the thing is, is the clients don't know what questions to ask. And when they do know the questions to ask, that makes the relationship better. Um, and, and not worse. It, 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 they now know what to ask for, uh, because they may have input and ideas that an agency needs to know in order to do their job better.
0: Okay, so I don't want to keep you all day. I know you're busy and need to get back to helping people and building your own business. All right. I just have <laughs> one more question before we get to a little speed round and have some fun. But before we dive in there, what skills do you think people and companies are lacking these days Or do they need to improve on when it comes to marketing mm-hmm. or even growing their business?
1: Funny you should ask that, Chris. Yeah, funny you should ask. So, on my podcast, I'm doing a uh, seven skills that'll that will never go out of style, um, and I have even calling it seven digital marketing skills that'll never go out of style. Number one is digital and media literacy, uh, understanding the media landscape and understanding the digital landscape. From the outside and by that i mean how does digital affect how we think how does it affect our actions Uh, how are we persuaded by clickbait Uh, how are we deceived in different ways through spam through uh, you know through i'm trying to think through uh, malware Uh, different ways to number one protect yourself from bad actors but also to protect yourself from fake news, from uh, clickbait headlines, from emotionally driven content, or, or also what I would call the headline of the day. Uh, being able to take a much more long-term view of information rather than reacting constantly, have a North Star that you're focused on. Uh, so that would be media and digital literacy. Number two is writing. Be a good writer and being a good writer carries into so many areas. It carries into marketing because that's communication and it's communication with clients, it's communication with audiences, it's internal communication with teams. Uh, The better writer you are, the more opportunities it brings up. Number three is analytics. Absolutely. As I said, it's the number one skills gap uh, that we're seeing in the marketplace today. Number four, and I'm giving you this, and and I think that will this will probably go out this week on my podcast. It's UX and UI uh, and accessibility. Uh, it's understanding how user interface works and how we can make it better. Uh, within about, I think right now the majority of the population in the U.S. is over forty, and as well as the spending power is with people over forty-five and over. If you're not building interfaces that someone in their 60s or 70s can use easily, then you're losing business. Uh, And and so understanding what makes interface work, how to develop clear error messages, how to build functions that make things easier for people, regardless of their age, skill, ability, internet speed, uh, any of that, that is... It's a critical skill, and it's only going to become more and more important as, as things go on. So I'll just I'll just go. But those four, uh, those are the I would say those are the big four uh, moving forward. That if you want to be employable or or grow your uh, skills, those are the four areas that are definitely in need
0: today. Love it, love it, love it. So let's get to some fun stuff. In addition to fireworks and blowing things up. Uh, let's (laughs) do a little speed round here and have some fun. All right. Uh, first question. What time do you get up in the morning?
1: Uh, between six 30 and seven o'clock.
0: Do you have a hidden talent?
1: Oh, hidden talent. I can mimic almost any singer and I can sing off key purposefully. My wife absolutely hates it. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> okay. Uh if you could go anywhere on vacation, where would you go?
1: Oh wow. Wow. Oh man. I tell you what, that is it's become more and more difficult. Uh it's wherever I'm traveling. I love the food. Um <laughs> so I'll,
0: I'll Oh man, vacation is so about the food.
1: Oh. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I I can't peg it, but I love food. I'll just say that. <laughs>
0: here's one for you. So what never fails to make you laugh?
1: Um you know what? Just just having fun with the family in the backyard. Um you know, I yeah, I've got four girls and three of them are teenagers and we just love to have fun together. Um so yeah, lately it's been frisbee in the backyard all summer long.
0: <laughs> That's a big one for us this year. It's so funny like yeah. my my kids are getting older now my oldest is going to turn 22 this year but we had the best time this year throwing the frisbee they just thought that was great we did it at the beach we've done it in our backyard at parties i know it's become like that a big awesome thing. and you know it's it's so simple but it it's fun and i'm not quite sure how we missed out on that you know raising our kids but um right we've had a lot of fun doing that this year
1: i i have taught yeah I've taught three of them how to throw a Frisbee this year. It's been absolutely, and my wife. I, somehow, she needed a refresher on on throwing a Frisbee. So, yeah, we, we've been laughing a lot about that.
0: It's all on the wrist, man. It's all in the yes. wrist. Absolutely. Next question. Favorite purchase in the last 30 days under $25?
1: First of all, I need to think of what I bought under $25. Um, you know, okay, I. you know what? So I, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna it's a blast from the past it's a T-shirt Chris and I don't know I, I actually so I switched shirts before I got on camera with you um and this maybe it brings back some memories but like this is my my El Guapo's Pinata Emporium and it is a th- it is a a call out to an old movie from the eighties uh, if anyone knows El Guapo's Pinata Emporium yes we have a plethora.
0: Oh man, what is that movie? Uh, that's a great shirt, man. I don't know the movie though.
1: So, yeah, that's a new shirt I bought. And simply because it is, uh, it's from the movie The Three Amigos. Yes, uh, El Guapo's Pinatas. I, I love, I, that was just a great quote. And I love wearing a shirt that nobody knows. My kids have no clue. Uh, I told them they have to watch the movie, uh, which they haven't done yet.
0: <laughs> so, let's go a little deeper who is your biggest role model or hero
1: i mean I, the person the person who inspires me that i've looked up to throughout my entire life has been my dad um he was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis when he was in his i say young 30s um now he's in his 80s and he has never let that stop him um physically he may have been uh you know restrained in some ways but it never stopped him from doing what he wanted to do. Uh, he did so much. I, I look back and, and he had a radio program and I'm like, dad, you were podcasting. <laughs> and uh, just all the things that that he did, he, he was never afraid to try new technology, um, always ready to have fun. And so I, he, he has been the one constant in my life of someone who has overcome challenges, but also inspired me to overcome
0: as well. So one final question: You could give one piece of advice about anything. What would you say?
1: Everything changes all the time. Don't do things because of what you think others want from you. Um. I, so many times I see people. I, I feel like they're slaves to Instagram, or slaves to the algorithm. It, you know, learn and do what you want to do. Um. That's why I don't use Facebook. That's why I don't use Instagram much. I love LinkedIn, so I'm going to do it, and it works. Um, So that's, (laughs) you know, find what you love and do it, but also it's got to make money. (laughs) So there's like five pieces of advice that just tumble into my head.
0: (laughs) Well, I mean, you're following your own advice. You're living it, man. I mean, you're living the dream. You have a successful business. You're out traveling the world, and having fun you're you're blowing things up along the way (laughs) you're you're doing what you love and i mean that's just that's perfect advice so i guess in closing um let's talk a little bit about how people can reach out to you how they can connect with you um you know i know you got social media Um, we talked about the podcast website um give us all that kind of stuff you got a, a newsletter that you want people to subscribe to um lay it on us don't pitch don't
1: pitch the newsletter (laughs) it's it's one of those things uh, it's i'm not going to bother people if i don't have anything to say um and 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 part of that too is is you know i'll send something when it's important but other than that uh you know the podcast uh subscribe to endless coffee cup if you have the chance to do that on your favorite podcast service Uh, my website is sitelogic.com s-i-t-e site logic Uh, and then also, uh, if you're interested in learning and enrolling, I do have some free courses up, uh, some mini courses in small business and, and Google's algorithms, uh, and some things there. And that is at learn.sitelogic.com. But otherwise, yeah, connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh, I am Matt Bailey, SiteLogic on LinkedIn. Uh, shouldn't be too hard to find.
0: Thanks, man. I appreciate your time today. Um, Appreciate you being a friend, um, but I also appreciate you sharing your knowledge. Um, You're an entrepreneur and a speaker and an author and an experienced marketer, uh, business owner, um, just everything along the line. And it's just, it was great to listen to you talk today. And I, you know, I learned some stuff today too. Hopefully, everybody else did. And um, just seriously, man, just thanks for your time. I greatly appreciate it.
1: Thank you, Chris. It's been great to reconnect with and, and just, you know, look forward to uh, catching up with you guys here soon.
0: Cool, man. I'll talk to you soon. This has been the Academy Podcast, where you get the tools, tips, and advice you need to grow your business. As always, thanks for listening. Please visit us at academypodcast.com to find your way to more great content. You can stay connected with us on social media or by subscribing to emails that are full of additional news, advice, downloads, webinars, and special content. The Academy is a service of Sanctuary. Visit us online at sanctuarymg.com if you need a partner to help you grow your business. If I can help you in any way, please connect with me on social media or email me directly at chris. at sanctuarymg.com. If you've enjoyed our podcast, please take a moment and leave us a review. It really helps us out and our team will greatly appreciate the feedback. Thanks again for listening, and I hope we'll connect again soon in the near future.